0: Welcome, listeners, to the ASI Podcast. My name is Russ Shaw. This is season six, episode 16 on the topic of motivations, sexual needs, part one of a series of recordings. Here we go. Motivate me. I want to get myself out of this bed. me. I want
1: ASI, or Attitudes of Sexual Integrity, deals with mature subject matter. It is marked explicit for a reason. You've been warned.
0: Hello, listeners, to the ASI Podcast. My name is Russ Shaw, and I wanted to thank listener Bob right off the bat here for being a co-producer for producing this here podcast with a donation to the ASI Podcast. Uh, If you'd like to be a a producer, uh, go to the website... ASI247.org helps, uh, helps keep this thing rolling, helps keep uh, more shows going up, and uh, the hosting fees to, to keep this thing rolling down the, the highway of time, right? Some podcasts just disappear, right? People quit paying the hosting fees and all of a sudden it's like, oh, I like that show. It's just gone. What the heck? So, so yeah, uh, I wanted to thank, again, thank Bob, co-producer Bob. Uh, there's a lot of Bobs in the world. I'm keeping Bob anonymous. Uh, <laughs> right? Yeah, I love that. Bob, Bob's your uncle. Uh, for those of you in the UK, that's a, that's a saying. Uh, But yeah, so thank you, Bob, for uh, producing another ASI podcast. Uh, This is just something I'm recording in my van. I wanted to get some content out there. And I haven't had a lot of time, but uh, I'm working right now. So sitting around waiting for uh, business, so to speak, right? And uh, yeah, man, figured I would uh, chat with you listeners about some stuff that's... uh, That's cranking along in my mind Uh, I was producing an audiobook called uh, Mutiny on the Ghost Ship (laughs) Okay, I need a little more coffee here this morning Trying to crank What was the title of that again? Yeah, Mutiny on the Ghost Ship I actually own the domain for that The bill for that is up soon too so, uh. So yes, that's why I'm thanking Um Again, thanking donors and listeners to the podcast as well. Uh, people who've been in interaction with me. I ended the last show going, hey, is anybody out there? <laughs> right? Um, today, I wanted to talk about needs because this book, uh, this audio program, whatever you want to call it, uh, is, is something that's birthed out of. Speaking of needs and Mutiny on the Ghost Ship, I did two episodes of this year podcast called Seven Needs, uh, and that's some of the framework of this audiobook, you know, the Mutiny on the Ghost Ship book, um, that I, I want to produce one day. <laughs> that's a whole nother topic right there. But, uh, so seven needs. The one I want to focus on in today's show is sexual need, right? The need for sex, the need to have an orgasm, to procreate even, all right? Uh, I don't think a lot of, you know, it, it, it comes to into consciousness, right? This is where Freud really kind of got into understanding the subconscious mind, all right? Now, Freud, classic psychology. I think the guy just came up with a lot of really cool metaphors, and he saw the world in a way that most people didn't at the time, and this is why I really enjoy Freud, all right? Do I agree with him on everything? Of course not, right? Um, most modern psychologists don't. Uh, but he, he... Part of sexual drive was part of how he saw this whole understanding of the subconscious mind and building on that idea. So a lot of us desire or crave sexuality or in this day and age start to crave sexual content or sexual imagery, right? This is the compulsive nature of of pornography uh, addiction, to use that word. Uh, compulsive pornography use. The desire or the appetite or the need... Is it filling some kind of need? Well, yeah, that's why uh, the internet exists. <laughs> a big, A big reason we have streaming content today was because of the demand for pornography on the internet. Does that mean the internet's bad? That's another funny thing. Like early on, it's like, well, the internet's bad because of all the porn. You know what they started producing when the printing press was invented? All right? Yeah, porn. You, you give human beings a way to produce some kind of content. Sex is going to be a big part of that content. Sex is a motivator. Sex is a driving uh, thing that we as humans love to consume when it comes to um, media. All right. So back to the need for sexuality. I was. I'm revisiting this because a big reason why is uh, some of the early shows. I wanted to go back and revisit them from where I'm at now as opposed to where I was when I started the show. Um, was I wasn't in a super healthy place, to be honest when I started this podcast. Was I sober? Yeah, you know I, I my my past, My background was in addiction, all right, uh, self destruction, not just sexually, all right. I mean, I was an alcoholic as a teenager, went to rehab for that, forced by the state of Washington, got into, after that, I got into methamphetamine, crack cocaine, right? And then I, uh, I found the right Christian God, right, to save me from my chemical romances, and then, and then I had this right addiction. Well, I have—I'm you know, a redundant addict, basically. I had spending issues, uh, went bankrupt. Um, sex, you know, a big one. Pornography use over the years didn't really like it, uh, and it and it led. It, did the pornography use lead to me? seeing prostitutes, uh, being unfaithful to my spouse, not as much as I thought, right? I think early on I, I could have blamed some of that on porn or blamed some of that on, you know, my sexual thoughts and desires at the time. But honestly, um, it had more to do with my brokenness and my understanding of intimacy, and that's where I started geeking out on intimacy disorder, right? So recently, modern psychology is saying, stop calling it ad- an addiction, right? Start calling it intimacy disorder. So I'm really teasing that out here in season six. So here's something that I said early on in the podcast. Um, and this is true, right? Like this was a, a kind of a breakthrough sort of thing for me when I had a counselor who I had hired and, um, I started seeing a counselor That's a big one And I I encourage listeners to do that Uh, 70 bucks a session I was paying this guy out of pocket You know, cash money And he told me Something pretty profound one day He said uh, He said, Russ, if you don't have an orgasm You're not going to die And I was like Oh, wow Okay, right. Like that was for me. That was really profound at the time. Um, the reason being was because I think that I had such a a pull and desire towards looking at pornography, masturbation, PMOing, as the Fabstronauts would say. Um, it was such. It was such a. It was. It felt like food. Like I had to have it, or I was going to die. I needed it for survival. Now this is where we get into some Freudian psychology because Freud would say that, yeah, that's wired in us as humans to procreate. So part of this subconscious need for sex is a evolutionary, to use that word, um, understanding of procreation, of keeping the species going, all right? Now I know. Russ, you're a Christian guy. You said that this show was done from a Christian perspective as you are a man of faith, so to speak. Um, I, I am. I'm a creationist. So, But does that mean I don't believe in evolution? No, not anymore. <laughs> it doesn't. Some of the early shows I was like arguing with people about evolution and I was getting emails and i was trying to win this argument. And my, my dear friend, Pastor Rick, like he, 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 he does some of this. Right. And, and I agree with some of, you know, like, yeah, I agree with evolutionary biology, but I also have a sober understanding of irreducible complexity Right, so the theory of evolution—it's—it's it's that. It's a theory. Um, we can't prove it. There's a lot of competing theories, but uh, I am willing to bet <laughs> creation was was happened because of evolutionary processes. All right, the Book of Genesis. If somebody, C.S. Lewis pointed out many years ago, the Book of Genesis being like baby talk to communicate something to us, um, as spiritual beings. Another thing about the book of Genesis is that it's written in ancient Hebrew, ancient Hebrew being a language that is, uh, it is deeply metaphorical. All right. The language itself is, is birthed out of metaphor simile. Uh, so it's not a huge stretch to say that the book of Genesis is, you know, to go into these literal t- interpretations of the Bible like Ken Ham, um, no. Okay, that's just, it's just not, that's not what it's its written about. I was just listening to a sermon this morning by Richard Rohr, and he was talking about the woman uh, who touches Jesus's garment and gets healed. If you don't know the story, it's a pretty cool story. You could Google it. All right. Uh, this woman touches Jesus's garment, and Jesus feels this energy leave him, and goes, "Oh, where did that go?" Right. And he he sees this woman, and and she gets healed, and he says, "Your faith has made you well." Right. He doesn't go because of this book I wrote, and because of these things I teach, and because I am so awesome. You got healed through me. No, that's not what he says. He says you, your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you clean. In some translations, um, this is a a part of the Bible that is repeated in all four Gospels, and it's different every time. So my point is, if you're if you're stretching for some literal translation of the Bible, um, <laughs> that story being told three different times, three different scenarios. Does it make it less true? No, you know this is where good fiction also can have us uh, realizing things about life because it may not be real, but it can be true, right? Um, I interviewed Paul Young, the author of The Shack, and that's something he said in that interview. It's something that stuck with me for a long time. That that fiction, that stories. Um, He said that, yeah, the the shack is a made-up story, but it's true, (laughs) right? Um, Jesus told a lot of parables, uh, little stories, and usually the Pharisees, uh, the religious elites of his time, were trying to kind of pigeonhole him into a corner a lot of times, right? They want some kind of literal yes or no, factual, you know, kind of cerebral answer out of Jesus and he would tell a story, you know. Well, there was a donkey and a wine press, and there was these two guys on a journey, right? Uh, These parables were made up, right? Jesus was making up a story in order to communicate an emotional um, uh, truth that he was trying to teach. A parable does just that. So, the book of Genesis... Who's to say it's not a parable? And I'm saying this, and I'm—I know some of you are atheists or whatever, or agnostics, and you're like, "Eh, oh, gross," you know. You gotta talk about this Christian stuff again. Um, those are my people, all right. Like, I really, I really man, that was me really struggling with some of this and and, and literal translations of the Bible. You know, I started reading the Bible for myself and realizing that, man, there's a lot of different translations of this book that say a lot of different things. Like, they repeat the same stories, um, but some of the language is different. And that's okay. Like, I think that's good. But we can't put our faith in the teachings of men. And I think that was Jesus' point as well with a lot of his issues uh, with the Pharisees. Hold on. Sip of coffee as I roll on. So, I'm sitting in this counselor's office, Christian counselor, uh, kind of reminiscing or (laughs) I'm reminiscing now. But at the time, I was basking in the truth of that statement, right? Like, if I don't... If if I just deny my body an orgasm, I'm not going to die. That was like a switch being flipped on. To a certain degree. And it had also agreed with my prior kind of religious convictions around sex. Which a lot of that was and is, uh, repressive. Now, am I against sexual repression? You know, there's a lot of people say, oh, sexual repression, you know, especially on the left side of the spectrum, right? Oh, sexual repression is always bad. Well, is it? Like, seriously? Because we would, you know, there's a lot of talk in poly culture today. Poly is becoming more and more popular. Uh, that's, that's another discussion for another show Seth and I, in uh, the last time I talked with my friend Seth Taylor, we touched on it a bit uh, maybe it, it needs its own episode I think it will have its own episode in the future um, polyamory is basically what that is for those of you who don't know uh, it's, it's the idea that if we just don't get jealous when our spouse and or boyfriend, girlfriend sleeps with someone else then life will go well Right? Like people are cheating. Russ, I, I had a conversation with someone who's poly and and he was like, Well, you know, have you ever been unfaithful? And I'm like, Yeah, you know. And he says, Well, this is just taking away the feelings of that. And I'm like, Is it though? Like really, can you deeply put your trust in someone with your vulnerable little heart if they're out having sex and sleeping with other people? Like I don't know if that's realistic. I I, I really don't, right? Uh, There's a guy that wrote a book, Sex Before Dawn, uh, touching on some of these ideas. And, you know, is it part of our evolution that we became uh, monogamous? And is that why there's all these really hard feelings about cheating, you know? Why we should be repressed to a certain degree and hold back some of our sexual desire uh, is that bad? Is it causing you know people to murder each other, for example? So there's that, right? Uh, I think that s- sexual repression to a certain degree it can be healthy. Is healthy. Um, I don't just run around and sleep with every, you know, I I think a lot of this in our culture today with the Me Too movement uh, has a lot to do with that. So there's a lot of guys for a lot of years who have been taught, you know, just say whatever, right? Just do whatever. Um, And we're learning that, no, there's boundaries and people are losing their jobs. So. And I think that some of that is a really good thing. Like, don't treat our wives, daughters, moms like that. You don't just get to, you know, grab her pussy, right? Like, that's not appropriate in the workplace, especially, you know? This is... This is not cool. But is that a repression of sexual desire, Russ? Like, should we be repressing that? So it gets really muddied and confusing out there in culture when we're talking about sexual repression. So uh, that's my point I wanted to make with sexual repression. But but I will say this. I don't know if that was super healthy, okay? For me to just devour that uh, idea that I don't have to have an orgasm. Because in a relationship, sex is important, all right? It it really is. And if you just come to this conclusion of, well, I don't need to have sex, um, you can ice out your partner, right? So yes, can sexually compulsive behavior become a problem? Well, obviously, right? That's part of why hopefully most of you are listening, Um, that sex addiction, your body starts to control your will, right? Uh, Instead of you controlling it, your body has got other plans, This is important Uh, and this is something I've talked about in recent years about the body keeping the score. Some of my friend Seth Taylor's work and his book feels feels like redemption, right? Um, Not repressing feelings as much as learning why they exist in our body. That stuff's important and I've talked a lot about how... uh, You know, how, again, sexually compulsive behavior can go awry. You know, I've done multiple shows on that. This show, talking about sexual needs, I wanted to push back on myself a little in some of those early shows on the fact that, yeah, not having an orgasm, you're not going to die. But the truth is, you will suffer. All right? Your body will suffer if you do not have that release that sexual release and I'm not just talking about having an orgasm part of this is connection part of this is having someone know you deeply and I've talked about that multiple times too Um, but I wanted to touch on the suffering that can take place when a sexual need is not met and I understand what he was talking about when he said right not you're not gonna die from not having sex Um, And I will even uh, say that sexual needs, uh, a lot of the psychology around this, you know, like sexual addiction is not really a thing, right? (laughs) According to a lot of psychologists, even though it feels like addiction, right? It feels like, ah, my body's out of control. You know, I'm uh, uh, cravings in in this kind of language. Um, What psychologists will say is that sexual needs um, are actually feeding a, a separate psychological need. So, there's four major psychological, fundamental Okay, we're, I'll become a fundamentalist, right? Here on the ASI podcast. There's four fundamental needs psychologically, and that is one for the first one is for security, the second is self-esteem, autonomy, and connection, all right? To be happy, to be stable, not just happy, happy is fleeting to me, right? It comes and goes. But to be stable, um, functional human beings, these four things are, are really important. So, our sexual need or sexuality can be a way that we are simply working to Um, feel some sense of self-esteem, right? And that's maybe what I'm going to be touching on a lot in this episode, uh, talking about sexual needs. Autonomy is another one as well. Am I... A lot of us men are asking um, or trying to exercise some part of our ego that it's like, am I enough? Um, Am I desirable that one comes up, so that's what I really want to touch on in the show. So I want to acknowledge that right off the bat that some of the fundamental needs that we're actually craving are are a little deeper than just uh, the appetite for sexual fulfillment. Uh, and sex is great, all right. It, it, I, you know, I'm not I'm not anti-sex. So. And I'm not crapping on my, my my therapist or my counselor at the time for telling me that. Because it actually was really helpful for me at the time. Um, but uh, I am saying that, especially in this guy, this guy, Christian counselor, you talk about intimacy disorder. Man, this dude... Uh, yeah, not not everything he said was was real healthy or helpful, and that's another thing. You know, I encourage people to get help. I encourage people to seek after counselors and therapists and mental health professionals. Um, but don't don't stay stuck, right? Like, if you feel like someone's you know leading you in the wrong direction or the chemistry ain't right or whatever it is, man, to find somebody else. All right, I know that takes work. I know it sucks. I know, you know, therapist shopping or whatever uh, may have to be a thing for you, but don't stay stuck with somebody who's not helping you, is what I'm saying.
2: I
1: want to get better.
2: All my friends were getting high and chasing girls down parkway lines. I was losing my mind because the love, the love, the love, the love, the love that I gave was wasted on a nice face. In a blaze of fear, I put a helmet on a helmet, counting seconds through the night, I got carried away. Why I'm standing on the overpass screaming at myself, hey, I want to get better. Didn't know I was lonely till I saw your face. I want to get better, 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 better. I want to get Didn't know I was broken till I wanted to change. I want to get better, 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 better. I want to get to my room where there's girls on the ceiling. Cut out the pictures And I chased that feeling Of an 18-year-old Who didn't know what loss was Now I'm a stranger And I miss the days Of a life still permanent More than the years Before I got carried away That's why I'm standing On the interstate Screaming at myself I want to didn't know I was lonely Till I saw And that's where I also want to Uh, communicate,
0: hopefully successfully articulate uh, some of the difference between you know, this kind of nutsy boltsy Uh, sex is having orgasms and your body has a response and there's all this, you know, brain chemicals and and stuff that's flowing through your body and dopamine and oxytocin, and right? Like we could geek out on all the mechanisms involved in our body, uh, but, you know, or the law. It's sort of like the law versus... Faith kind of thing, right? In the Bible, like the the Pharisees, Jesus has issues with them because they're so law based. We can just we can just talk until we're blue in the face about why you should and ought to do this and that, and why. You know, it's good for kids to grow up in a home with two parents, you know, uh, male-female is this whole thing and the the best way for everything to unfold, you know, which is just not reality in this world, you know, like things are not, things are messy, right? People are messy. Everyone's beautifully, wonderfully fucked up in some weird way and that's all right, you know? Um, Where it gets dark... And uh, life choking is when we can't be honest about the facts that we're not all obeying the rules and the laws. This is a lot of the problem with the church today. it's part of why I've taken a few steps back from being a part of, of a religious organization. Because I see so much of, of this. Not so much the sexual stuff that's going on. Like, that's a part of it. That's a symptom of it. Uh, but what I see is the, the constant um, subconscious need to make it look like we've got the answers, or we know the right way, or this is the way that humans should and ought to live, and and stuff like that, right? And I've even used some of that language early on in this show. Um, That can be a toxic drive, all right? Uh, I want to touch on that word for a moment. Drive. Um, Drive is motivation. I talked about it in the last show. And that's why I'm kind of springboarding off of that show on motivations today. Because I think this is really important. Um, Drive is what makes us do the things we do, right? So when a church or religious organization has this internal... Like, we don't even think about it, really. We're just sort of like, oh, yeah, we have the right, the good way, the way that uh, is holy, even. We use that word. Um, because we're, we're, we're religious or we're Christians or or whatever we are, right? This, uh, this idea... <sighs> And why it can be a toxic drive is because real people have real wounds. They have real issues. Um, They are born with certain understandings and their their cultural differences on things are, are different. And we can should and ought to on that all day. But that is not getting us... Anywhere, right? Like it's not changing anything. Look around. Is our teaching of, of you know, uh, ethics right? Uh, every man's battle, right? <laughs> the, the battle lines are drawn against sexuality. Like, how is that book came out? How is that doing? Like, how are we doing since that book came out in what two thousand five or something like that, right? Um, 2007 I can't remember but anyway my point is it's easy to point in a direction and say this is the way we should and ought to do it this is the way you should and ought to behave but what we're actually doing that's where I'm that's where I'm interested and I've talked about that in this show a lot like uh, I want you to get to the point where you're addressing your want to's where your want to's change not your have to's not shoving it in from the outside right? This kind of self-discipline, shove-it-in-from-the-outside behavior mod that doesn't work long-term. Um, what does it take to get in the heart and and stir affections or, or, or understand the beauty that's that's on the inside that, that really is our want-to's rather than our have-to's? Uh, so anyway, I went off on a, a bit of a tangent there, but uh, my next point is I was doing some research, getting into revisiting this topic of sexual needs, and I Googled it. So I Googled uh, sexual needs, and it's weird what popped up on top of the Google search. And maybe this is, I don't know, is it because it's me, right? I don't know. Maybe you guys could search this out and see what comes up. I would love to hear from you about that, uh, ASI. 247.org is my website. Send me an email or get in touch with me through Facebook or whatever there. But I googled, uh, where's my Google My Google thing? Here, hold on. I'm going to go back and look it up. I googled sexual needs uh, and and the first thing that popped up was some some articles by Focus on the Family right? Which is really interesting, right? Because I, I don't I don't agree with Focus on the Family and everything. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I think that a lot of what they teach is just downright toxic. Uh, what was it that I searched for? Yeah, sexual needs. Number one and number two uh, are websites from Focus on the Family. At least that's what came up in my Google search. I know that Google changes things based on algorithms and stuff like that and maybe what I've searched for in the past. So... So, yeah, listeners, check that out. Like, if you could do that and then and then tell me what, what came up, that would be awesome. Or you can tweet me uh, at Russ Shaw on Twitter. Uh, anyway, so, yeah, the first two, uh, sex is a physical need, focus on the family, understanding your husband's sexual needs. And so I clicked on the one that says sex is a physical need, uh, and it, it, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff focused on the dude, right? Like it's a, just a guy's issue. Ladies, I know you're listening. Uh, I'm with you, all right. I haven't left you. This is not. ASI is not focused on the family by the way, <laughs> right? Um, so yeah, some of my uh, gay brothers and sisters out there, uh right. Not I'm not doing focus on the family over here. Like, if you have same sex attraction or or you're you would consider yourself homosexual, like I'm not I'm not here to shit on you, right? Like that's not not that focus on the family does that. You know they have this whole love one out thing. What does that mean though? Really, it means rejection. That's basically what it means. Um so I know that was probably controversial, but anyway, that's not just <laughs> homosexuality. Isn't just my only issue with focus on the family. Another one is this genderfying it, right? Like sex, sexually compulsive behavior is just a man's problem, which again is such bullshit. It it just infuriates me to a certain degree, and there, so in a lot of this information that's in here is kind of from that 2007ish you know every man's battle sort of sort of attitude uh, it, but they bring up some statistics. There was a woman, Shandi Feldheim, that wrote a book. We actually did a Bible st- or a book study thing at our church, a uh, small group on this book, which was not super helpful. <laughs> like there's just there's just issues with the book, right? That I had. I'm not against the book. Like I go ahead and buy it, read it. It's I would recommend it even, uh, but. It's, it's a lot of research, and research is good, but again, it goes to that kind of, well, this is healthy and this is not. See? See what happens here? Um, what happens when, when, you know? So, anyway, the book, I, I will say the book is good because it highlights some research that everyone kind of already knows right that's the interesting thing about a lot of scientific research you know is that well okay we already know that but it's cool that you guys have that in writing now right like a bunch of people surveyed a bunch of people they spent a bunch of money to get the opinions of some you know group of people and now we can all come to a consensus and say okay yeah that's true <laughs> even though you know somewhere depending on your age i guess i don't know like you somewhere we get to this point in our life even really young people in their late teens can go oh yeah like that makes sense um guys uh, are more visual sexually than than women are stuff like that right men are more um The the sexual drive is way more on the surface than it is with women. Uh, Stuff like that, you know, based on kind of shallow stuff. Guys are turned on pretty dang easily. Like, it doesn't take a research, right? A technician or a, a crew of researchers to tell us that is true right uh but the fact that they've done that has us kind of nod our head and go oh okay uh and maybe that's good for a lot of christians to see some of this research and say oh yeah okay we can't really argue with that one anymore now can we There's some of that I've learned, this thirst for knowledge, you know, this stuff it in from the outside. It resembles kind of like pornography, the the compulsion towards pornography, uh, the, the drive for it. And the reason I say that is because we, we seek to be satiated in, uh, in in the information, right? Like if we can just get the right answers... Our problems will go away, right? Or whatever we're struggling with, we won't. We won't have to suffer in this life as much, or whatever, or, or at all. Even I think the word "satiated," by the way, it means to be like, uh, like just full and whole for a time, or, or right? Like <laughs> the best analogy I could give is the rat in in. The, if you've ever seen the animated film Charlotte's Web. And uh, Templeton, the rat in the story, right? He helps out. He's sort of like a spy, and he goes out. And they invite him to the fair. So they bring him to the fair, you know, and they're afraid they're going to slaughter poor uh, the pig, right? I can't remember the pig's name. It's funny that I remember the rat's name. I can't remember the pig's name. Some of you are shouting it at your device right now uh but anyway so so templeton gets into the fair right and he goes out at night and there's just garbage everywhere and in the film he actually does a little song about all the garbage and he's just rolling in the garbage and oh garbage it's so awesome and sometimes that's how porn feels if you've ever been on a porn binge just searching through garbage right just Different weird shit you're masturbating to, or whatever, and in it's sort of like Templeton there, right? And then he just, but in in the in the film, he gets satiated, right? He's just laying there, his belly is like three times the size of the rest of his body, and he's just like, ah, oh, right? That's that's satiated, um, and sometimes with a. With porn, you know, maybe early on in the compulsive behavior or in the addiction, you can feel like that. But after a while, you just you don't you don't feel it anymore. Like it goes away, and that's why people get into weirder weirder content or start hiring prostitutes. Like it can go downhill quick. Uh, but it's that's the same like that's the same thing that goes on in a lot of these conferences that people go to and. And uh, even your pastor or finding a church that's preaching the right word, you know, if I can just find the right place that's got the right thing, then I'll be satiated. Um, It doesn't happen. All right. Like I hate to break that to you. That's there's no faith in that at all. That's a certainty um, addiction problem. And that's where I like to touch on consciousness or the understanding of consciousness because if you don't realize that there's things that we should and ought to do and we can be taught that stuff until we're blue in the face. We can read every book on the topic until our eyes fall off and our fingers have paper cuts all over them, whatever. right? Like You can just soak all that information into your brain but if you don't know that there are the things that we should and ought to do, and then there's the things that we will and are actually doing. If you don't see the difference, the line drawn between those two realms, you're either blind or asleep, right? I'm not trying to be mean, but that's, that's really a part of it. There's what you're doing versus what you should and ought to do. We know what we should and ought to do most of the time. We've got that down. You know, sometimes it feels good and we have that feeling in our body where we go, oh yeah, it feels good to be reaffirmed about the things that I already know. But is that helping long term? You, know, you get to be, I'm. You get to be my age. I'm 50 years old. You start to learn that. Hey, you know, just being reassured of the same information over and over again, you know, just that really isn't helping me. Like I need to wake the fuck up. I need to get up. I need to be awake and alive, eyes open. You know, it's not. And then this is funny. Where I had a conversation with a dude uh, from Texas, and he he kind of made this like 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 all of a sudden his brain switch flipped and he said, oh, well, Russ is the liberal from Seattle, right? So it became about this dualistic liberal versus conservative, you know? No, it's not, I'm not, this is not me being Russ Shaw the liberal. right? I'm not a liberal, by the way. I don't label myself as that. Uh, I'm actually pretty conservative in a lot of ways. Uh, But it's a a place that our brains can go to quickly solve that cognitive dissonance, right? That irritating, bad feeling that we don't like. Uh, I don't know about that, Russ. So you know what? You're a liberal because you're telling me something that's kind of scaring me or having me feel like my reassuring myself with all my information with all the seminars and and uh you know retreats or or conferences that I go to right <laughs> those things are actually actually man freaking uh, Bill Hybels didn't just go to all the conferences he hosted a lot of those right like he taught the seminars he was the dude doing it and he was not living an authentic life. So you can behave in ways on the surface that look authentic and real to all your peers, but you really know behind your own eyes where your heart is and where your desires actually lay. And some of those desires, I'm just telling you on this podcast, that it's it's, it's okay uh, that you have sexual needs, all right? And those can start to work themselves out in unhealthy ways when we keep repressing and pushing down and trying to shove in from the outside um, this laborious load that, that you were never really meant to carry my point is sexual suffering by repression if that's not working for you all right One of the biggest things that a lot of the behavioral science is pointing to, again, talking about intimacy disorder, being intimate and how intimacy ties into our sexual behavior. Communication and being known. This is part of your sexual need. It's an intimate need, but it also touches into that emotional part of you that where your appetites come from. See, your appetites aren't just purely biological and brain chemicals and, you know, oxytocin, dopamine. Yeah, all that's there, habit-building, habit-forming stuff, Uh, but that's, that's just kind of watching the mechanism work, all right? What's making... The mechanism work, is the emotional response that you get from being valued, from being known, from being appreciated, from being wanted. Um, That's another one for us guys. And some of our insecurity as men, a lot of this, you know, there's so many guys who will say one of the biggest things for their wives to do is to want them, right? Um, And I know that some of you ladies listening, like maybe you have a higher uh, sexual appetite than your partner. Um, But some of the guys who are listening, like you are in a marriage where possibly you're not being sought after, or maybe you're in a marriage where a marriage or a, a, a boyfriend partnership, right? Whatever... That is, uh, you're not feeling um, sought after. Like when your partner, especially a woman, and you're the man, uh, or, right, um, when you're wanted, when they initiate the act of sexual intercourse, right, when they want you, that just. That all the feelings and stuff that goes off in you—it is—it it, it, it touches and feeds and satisfies that need, that sexual need. It's more of a value thing. It's more of a want. I want to be known. I want to be naked and being accepted, even with my flaws, out here nude in front of you. Um, but and you still want me. You still accept me. That stuff, that stuff fulfills that sexual need more than, obviously more than porn does, right? Because porn is just lazy, you know. Uh, it, 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 I say lazy, but it, 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 it fills the need for a little while. It's like, you know, I've said on past shows, it's, it's wanting a big tall glass of water and you get a shot glass of water, right? It's, it's, it's something... Um, when you're dying in the desert, a shot glass of water feels like, um, it feels like something, doesn't it? F- so that's what I wanted to really get you to, to think about in this show and maybe some homework for this week is to realize the scary feelings about, around connection, right? Around c- communication. Communication is Scary. Um, communication is so incredibly necessary for an intimate relationship. It's a necessary, you need to, they need to know how you feel, right? Where your are down, right? Where your burdens are. Just, just being able to unpack that with them and for them to know you. And that communication is necessary in a partnership and a love relationship but it's also terrifying for some of us. It can be scary, it can be terrifying. It has been for me. And a lot of that has to do with my past and my abuse and, and you know, my issues with shame. But again, I'm telling you, and, and something I want you to realize and, and see if this is true in your journey, right? Your partner initiating the sexual experience with you. What would that feel like? Naked. In the sunlight. With all of your flaws. Right? Right there in the open. And they accept you and they want you anyway. Again, this is why I'm a theist too. Alright? God accepts me like that. Just the way I am. Just the way you are. You're loved. Love is God. God is love. God is love in a relational atmosphere. That's who God is. And when you can feel that spiritually inside yourself, inside your bones, um it's easier to receive it from a partner, you know. So, there's my little Bible study lesson for today. <laughs> I don't know what that but again, I, I care about you, uh, and I just wanted to. I had had that on my heart to communicate today. So, love you guys. I do mean that sincerely. Um, thanks again to Bob for for uh, financially, generously, financially um, supporting the show. And if you'd like to do that, again, ASI247.org, um, Russ at ASI247.org. I'd um, love to hear from you hey this is making sense um till
2: next time bye treasure maps falling trees operator call me back when it's time stolen friends and disease a please pass me back
1: ASI podcast is a listener-supported production. Your greatly appreciated financial assistance in keeping the ASI podcast up and running is the reason it has been in existence this long. But Russ needs more accomplices in delivering this underground message to the masses. You can give one time or be a monthly accomplice to this here pirate radio program. You can do that as a co-producer. Go to asi247.org to learn more. Thanks for listening and don't forget to subscribe.